Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and that's my Patronus, Ellen. Oh, it's a throwback. Yeah. See episode zero for details. But for now, we're just going to roll right into our rolling rehash. Last week, we discussed chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest, where we learned that forbidden has a completely different meaning when punishments are involved. Being out of bed after hours is worse than fighting a troll, and that nothing can possibly go wrong when you send two preteen arch enemies armed with a lantern and a cowardly dog to search for our unicorn killer. <laughs> we also saw centaurs being cryptic, Hermione giving zero fucks about saying Voldemort, and Harry finally figuring out that it is actually Voldy who wants the Sorcerer Stone. During episode 15, Severe Student Smackdown, our Potter pondering was, what do you think about Hermione using Voldemort's name in the movie when she didn't in the book? So this discussion basically just made me realize how ridiculously nitpicky I am. You? No. What? No. Carly pointed out that since Hermione grew up in the muggle world, it never even made sense to her that she would have had an adverse reaction to the name. She said that she personally doesn't care either way, but she thinks having Hermione say it in the movie makes more sense than what was in the book. Yeah, Sean feels like either way is acceptable, that if we're going for consistency, that it should be the same as from the book. But he also feels like a majority of people in the world didn't really know of Harry Potter until the films came. And with that, they wouldn't know the difference unless they had read the books, basically. Yeah. He said, perhaps the filmmakers wanted to show Hermione as a strong, fairly independent, and daring young woman by using Voldemort's name when others wouldn't, and by doing so made her stand out in the film's array of characters. Perhaps they wanted to have her as someone young, growing women could look up to during the times the film came out. And I think that's really excellent feedback. There's a part of me that can acknowledge in the grand scheme of things that her saying the name or not saying the name does not impact the story that much. But I'm not the only one that's nitpicky about it. Quincy didn't like the change either. And Justin said that he imagines that Hermione would be sensitive to the fears around Moldyvort's name. And it makes sense that she might hold back on using it. <laughs> Moldyvort's. Right, I like that. <laughs> Moldyvort's. Danielle pointed out that it's one of those instances where the screenwriters have to move a character's growth more quickly than in the books, which makes sense. Yeah. I, I kind of buy that. The movies are an interpretation of the original story, not able to follow the books verbatim, even though we wish it could be so, obviously. And boy, do we wish it could be so. <laughs> Thank you so much for your responses, guys. Yep, we have such awesome keepers. But let's just keep rolling. Our trivia question last week was, what chess pieces do the trio play as in McGonagall's giant chess set? If you knew that Harry was a bishop, Hermione was a castle, and Ron was a knight, you are a trivia master, like Quincy. <laughs> and I'm sure this comes as no shock to anyone. <laughs> but this week's winner is, in fact, Quincy. I was a little shocked. Were you? No, not even a little. That's what no, I thought. No. <laughs> At seven wins in a row, his streak continues. 
The competition also continues. We want to toss in an honorable mention for Justin as well, because even though Quincy answered the question first, Justin showed up just a bit later, like 10 minutes or something, and answered it in more detail. Yeah, Quincy said Bishop, Knight, and Rook, which is indeed accurate. But Justin came in and specified that Ron is the Black Knight, Hermione is the Black Rook, and Harry is the Black Bishop. Dave did not make it in time to answer the question, but he did show up to critique Quincy's answer, saying that one could argue his response wasn't specific enough. The competition between those two is amazing. They even showed up early on the Facebook page to taunt each other before the episode posted. (laughs) I'm just waiting for the day when they're so focused on beating each other to the trivia question that they don't notice Justin sweeping in with the answer. Or I screw up publishing it again and someone gets to it early. Because, funny story, I was uploading the episode to Podbean to publish at midnight on the 7th and accidentally published at midnight on the 6th. Way to go. Yeah, whoops. As it was the 6th, It posted immediately, and there was a couple of minutes where the episode became available early, and I thought for sure someone was going to notice and sneak in to download it before I could correct it. It was an intense two minutes. (laughs) But it all got fixed and worked out for Quincy to win. Again. (laughs) Come on, Keepers, we just gave you some trade secrets in the last episode, so maybe someone will actually answer this question before Quincy this week. In the meantime... Let's just keep rolling into chapter 16, Through the Trapdoor, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 16, Through the Trapdoor. Despite how afraid Harry is that Voldemort is going to show up at any moment, he manages to make it to his exams. They include written portions, which they are given anti-cheating quills for, and practical portions, where they have to make a pineapple tap dance across a desk, turn a mouse into a snuff box, and brew a forgetfulness potion. Harry does his best while trying to ignore how much his scar hurts, ever since the detention in the forest. He is also having his old nightmares again. Ron and Hermione aren't as worried about the stone as Harry, as they are very distracted by exams and didn't see what Harry saw in the forest and in his nightmares. After they take their last exam in History of Magic, the trio heads out to the school grounds and settle in the grass. Ron sees Harry rubbing his forehead and thinks that he's just stressing about exam results. Harry tries to explain that his scar keeps hurting and he thinks that it is a warning that danger is coming. Ron tries to reassure Harry that Snape doesn't know how to get past Fluffy and that Hagrid would never tell anyone. Harry feels like there is something that he is missing or forgot to do and Hermione thinks that it is just the exams. Harry doesn't think that's it and keeps thinking about Hagrid and Fluffy until he jumps up realizing that it is odd that more than anything Hagrid wants a dragon and that there just happened to be a stranger with a dragon's egg in his pocket. He rushes across the grounds towards Hagrid's hut where they find him shelling peas. He greets them and offers them a drink, but Harry cuts him off and asks about the stranger who gave him the dragon's egg. Hagrid tells him that he never saw his face and that they talked about him being a gamekeeper at Hogwarts and the animals he came in contact with. He says that he mentioned how he always wanted a dragon and the stranger had the egg and that they could play cards for it if he was sure that Hagrid could handle a dragon. Hagrid reveals that he mentioned how Fluffy would make a dragon seem easy and that he told the stranger that all you need to calm Fluffy down was to play him a bit of music. Upon hearing this, the trio runs back to the castle and decides that they need to go straight to Dumbledore. 
Before they can do so, they are intercepted by Professor McGonagall and learn that Dumbledore was gone, responding to urgent business at the Ministry. Harry decides to tell McGonagall that it is about the Sorcerer's Stone, and she is surprised that they know about it, but assures them that it is perfectly well protected. She walks away, and as Harry tells Ron and Hermione that Snape is going after the stone tonight, Professor Snape appears and tells them that they shouldn't be inside on a day like this, or people will think they are up to something. He warns them that any more nighttime wanderings, and he will personally make sure Harry is expelled. Snape walks away in the direction of the staff room, and the trio hatch a plan. Hermione is going to keep an eye on Snape, pretending to wait for Professor Flitwick to ask about her exam, and Ron and Harry will stand guard outside of the third floor corridor. As they get to the corridor, Professor McGonagall shows up again and threatens them with the loss of more points if she sees them there again. They head back into the common room, and a little later Hermione shows up too, because Snape came out and asked what she was doing. She used her excuse about waiting for Professor Flitwick and then got stuck talking to him as Snape got away. Harry decides that he has no choice but to try to get the stone first. At first, Ron and Hermione try to talk him out of it, but Harry points out that if Snape gets the stone, Voldemort will come back and that is worse than being expelled or losing points. He says that he will use the invisibility cloak and Ron wonders if it will cover all three of them. He and Hermione are going to go with him. That night, they wait until everyone else goes to sleep. Harry gets the invisibility cloak and the wooden flute that Hagrid gave him for Christmas. They are getting ready to head out when they find that Neville is still in the common room and he's wondering what they are up to. Neville realizes that they are going out after bedtime again and he says he will fight them to stop them, giving Hermione no choice but to cast Petrificus Totalis on him. The trio leave behind Neville in a full body bind and pull on the invisibility cloak. As they creep along, they pass Mrs. Norris, who looks toward them, but doesn't do anything else. They sneak past her and eventually end up running into Peeves near the staircase to the third floor. He is aware that someone is lurking around, invisible, and threatens to call Filch. Harry uses a hoarse voice and tells Peeves that the Bloody Baron has his own reasons for being invisible. He mentions that he has business in the area and convinces Peeves to leave him be. Peeves leaves and the trio makes it the rest of the way to the Forbidden Corridor, finding the door partially ajar. Harry gives Ron and Hermione one last chance to back out, but they insist on going, and the three push the door open and carefully walk in. Fluffy can sense that someone is present and sniffs at the air around them. Hermione notices a harp near its feet, and they figure the dog must wake up the moment you stop playing. Harry begins to blow into the flute, and Fluffy immediately starts to fall asleep. They get to the trap door, and Harry passes the flute off to Hermione so he can jump down first, followed by Ron, then Hermione. They have a soft landing on a giant plant, but Hermione soon realizes that the plant has bound up Harry and Ron and gets away from it before it can do the same to her. She begins to panic because the boys are struggling and making it worse. She tells them to stop moving, that it's devil snare. She remembers that it likes the dark and the damp, and Harry tells her to light a fire. In her panic, she declares there to be no wood, and Ron reminds her that she's a witch. Hermione then uses her wand to create flames, causing the plant to release the boys. The trio follows the passageway that reminds Harry of Gringotts, until they reach the end and find a chamber full of what Harry thinks are birds. There's a locked, heavy wooden door on the opposite side that even Hermione's Alohomora won't work on. 
Harry realizes that the flying things aren't birds, but actually winged keys, and he looks around to find several broomsticks. He deduces that they have to catch the key that unlocks the door. Ron looks at the lock and determines that they will need to find a big old-fashioned silver key like the handle. The three all get on brooms and take off moving among the hundreds of darting keys. Though they were very difficult to catch, Harry spots a large silver key with a slightly bent bright blue wing. He directs Hermione and Ron to help him corner it and manages to pin it against the wall. They use it to unlock the door and move into the next chamber, finding a huge chessboard. Ron theorizes that they have to become chessmen to play their way across the board and chamber. He verifies this with one of the Black Knights and then tells Harry to become a bishop, Hermione to become a castle, and declares that he will be a knight. The trio takes the place of those black pieces and then white moves first. Ron then directs them around the board and ultimately must sacrifice himself, allowing Harry to checkmate the king. The game is won, but Ron was knocked unconscious, and Harry and Hermione must continue on without him. They walk through a room with a giant troll that has thankfully already been knocked out, and end up in yet another chamber that has a table with seven differently shaped bottles standing in a line. Immediately upon stepping over the threshold, flames sprung up at the doors, trapping them in the room. Hermione investigates the bottles on the table and finds a riddle that clues them into what each bottle contains. One allows them to move forward, one lets them go back, two have wine, three of them hold poison. She uses logic to determine which is in each bottle and finds the ones that will help them. Harry takes the smallest bottle to move forward and Hermione takes a round bottle to go back. Harry tells her to help Ron get the broomsticks to fly out of the trap door and to go straight to the Owlry to send Hedwig to Dumbledore. Hermione hugs him and tells him that he is a great wizard. He says he isn't as good as her, but she tells him, books and cleverness, there are more important things, friendship and bravery. They drink from the bottles and go their separate ways. Feeling like ice, Harry walks right through the flames, finding himself in the final chamber with someone else but it wasn't Snape or Voldemort. In the movie, the trio are walking through the courtyard, talking about their final, and Harry expresses that his scar hurts. Ron suggests that he should see the nurse, and Harry says that he thinks it means that danger is coming. They walk outside, and Harry sees Hagrid playing a flute on his front steps. It seems to click for Harry that there is something suspicious about how Hagrid got the dragon egg. They run up to Hagrid, and Harry asks him what the guy who gave him the egg looked like. Hagrid said he kept his hood up, so he never saw his face. Harry asked what they talked about, and Hagrid said that he wanted to know what sorts of creatures he looked after. Hagrid said he told him that a dragon would be nothing after Fluffy, and that the trick with any beast is to know how to calm him. He tells them that he said, with Fluffy, all you have to do is play him some music and he falls right to sleep, and then immediately looks horrified that he told them that. Harry, Ron, and Hermione immediately run to Professor McGonagall and ask to see Professor Dumbledore. She tells them that he received an urgent owl from the Ministry and left immediately. Harry is upset he is gone and tells her that it's important. Someone is going to steal the Sorcerer's Stone. McGonagall doesn't know how they know about the stone, but assures them that it is too well protected to be stolen and tells them to go back to their dormitory. The trio walk out but pause in the hallway to talk about how it must have been Snape under the hood and now he knows how to get past Fluffy. Snape then walks up behind them and wonders if they are up to something, then makes a billowy exit. Hermione wonders what they will do and Harry says that they are going through the trap door. Tonight. 
The scene transitions to an exterior shot of the castle at night. Harry, Ron, and Hermione come down the stairs into the common room and are confronted by Neville, who tries to stop them from going out at night and getting Gryffindor into trouble again. Hermione apologizes and says, Petrificus Totalis, putting a full body bind on him so they can leave without any drama. Under the invisibility cloak, they sneak to the third floor corridor. Hermione unlocks the door again with Alohomora, and they find Fluffy already asleep to a harp magically playing on its own. Its paw is blocking the trapdoor, so the three of them push it off and lift it open. Harry decides he will go first and tells them not to follow until he's given them a sign. Unfortunately, the music stops playing at this point, and the three must all quickly jump through the hole before Fluffy gets them. They land on a plant that immediately starts binding them with its vines. Hermione tries to tell them to relax, that it is Devil's Snare, and the more they struggle, the tighter it will hold on to them. She sits calmly and slides through the plant's grip. Harry and Ron are initially worried, but Hermione calls out for them to relax. Harry relaxes and also slides through, causing Ron to panic even more. Hermione remembers the Devil's Snare hates sunlight and says, Lumos Salem, and causes the plant to release Ron. They move on to the next room, noticing the sound of wings. Harry realizes that there are winged keys flying around the room, and that one of them must fit the door to the next room. There is also a broomstick in the middle of the room. Ron tries to open the door with Alohomora, but it doesn't work. Harry is looking at the keys and sees the one that matches the door. He thinks it seems too simple, but gets on the broom to try to catch it. Immediately, the keys begin rocketing around, becoming much more difficult to catch. Harry takes off flying after the key and manages to catch it, despite all the other keys hindering him. He tosses it down to Hermione, and she and Ron get the door open. Harry flies right through it, and they slam the door shut as all the keys embed themselves into it. They find themselves in a room that looks like a graveyard, but Ron identifies it as a giant chessboard. They try to walk across the board to the door, but the pawns draw their swords and block their path. Ron realizes they must play across the room. He assigns Harry to be a bishop, Hermione as the queen's side castle, and declares himself to be a knight. Ron directs them through the chess game, sacrificing a pawn to determine that it is going to be exactly like wizard's chess, and then ultimately sacrificing himself so that Harry can checkmate the king. Harry and Hermione don't like this idea very much, but they know that they don't really have any other choice, because Harry has to go on. The White Queen knocks Ron out, and then Harry finishes the game. The White King drops his sword, and Harry and Hermione run to Ron. Harry tells Hermione to take care of Ron, and then go to the Owlery and send a letter to Dumbledore. Hermione tells Harry that he will be alright. He's a great wizard. Harry tries to say not as good as you, but Hermione says, Books and cleverness. There are more important things. Friendship and bravery. This week was another long one for you. That's what she said. Well, I'm a she, and that's what I said, so yes. But anyway, <laughs> I almost could have taken a nap this time. Except considering how much you keep on yawning, I figure one of us should stay awake today. Probably a good call. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the book and movie got back to being pretty similar with this section. Mm -hmm. As usual, there are minor differences, but overall they line up pretty well. The book chapter starts out talking a little bit about the exams that they have to take. It says they have to remember how to make a forgetfulness potion and even makes specific mention of the anti-cheating quills that they have to use. And I love it, especially after talking about the amazing deleted scene <laughs> and Ron's 
indignation over not being trusted. Right? Because Ron says he can't remember the ingredients in a forgetfulness potion and his indignation is amazing, especially after literally saying he was going to cheat off Hermione. Yeah, it just makes me love that deleted scene even more. That's such a fun callback to the book. I really wish they left it in. Me too. But instead of the movie showing any of that, it starts right in on the trio just after they finish exams. But the conversation that ensues among the trio is it's pretty similar. Yeah, they're talking about the finals and Harry mentions that his scar hurts and he thinks it's a warning that danger is coming. Yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> we already talked about this in our summaries. And in both it clicks for Harry that there's something weird about the fact that Hagrid has always wanted a dragon and that there just happened to be a stranger in a pub with the dragon's egg. And then since Harry is now all about not meddling no meddling no meddling at all the three of them rush straight to hagrid's hut to not meddle to not meddle <laughs> yeah and in the movie hagrid is sitting outside playing some sort of like a flute or recorder in the book he was shelling peas but i think the flute is another fun callback to the book since hagrid whittled harry a wooden flute for christmas but we didn't see that in the movie mm -hmm. maybe he made it for him and decided to keep it because he's a greedy bastard Right, because Greedy Bastard is exactly the way to sum up Funkle Hagrid. <laughs> Not even a little. But in both the book and the movie, Harry asks him about the stranger, and they learn that Hagrid never even saw his face because he kept his hood up, which is, you know, the sign of a stand-up guy. Right totally there. normal. Mm -hmm. And in both, Harry wanted to know what they talked about. And Hagrid's job as gamekeeper was a topic of discussion. The book specifically mentions that the stranger kept buying him drinks, and Hagrid was having a little trouble remembering what they had talked about. But ultimately, the conversation came to the same conclusion, that after Fluffy, Hagrid would find a dragon a piece of cake. And then, of course, the stranger is interested in Fluffy. I mean, how many three-headed dogs do you meet? They seem pretty rare to me. Hagrid is doing his proud animal mummy thing, talking about his pet without thinking, and reveals to the trio not only how they can get past Fluffy, but that he told the stranger how to do so as well. <laughs> then continuing with the not-meddling streak, they run straight to the castle to tell McGonagall that they need to see Professor Dumbledore. The book sets it up a bit more like they're trying to find Dumbledore and end up running into McGonagall instead, mm -hmm. but this is really a minor difference because in both, she tells them that Dumbledore's gone. And Harry throws caution to the wind to tell her that someone is going to try and steal the Sorcerer's Stone. She's shocked that they know about it, but assures them that it's perfectly well protected and sends them away. And then Snape shows and delivers his line about the trio being up to something. In only the way Alan Rickman can. And he flounces out, leaving the trio to hatch a plan. This was an eensy bit different in the book, only because after flouncing away, and I assume that book Snape flounces too, but after out. flouncing away, he pauses and turns back to tell them that any more nighttime wanderings and he will personally make sure Harry is expelled. Like he could yeah. actually make that happen. Right. Dumbledore would be like, yeah, sure, Severus, Harry shouldn't be out of bed, but I'm Dumbledore and I do what I want. Ten points to Gryffindor. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the movie then transitions to nighttime when, of course, the trio were completely ignoring Snape's warning and going for a wander. This does actually omit the rest of the afternoon when Hermione is tasked with shadowing Snape under the pretense of looking for Flitwick with a question about the exam. And Harry and Ron try to stand guard outside of the third floor corridor. 
neither of which work out as planned. And I love this part because McGonagall catches Harry and Ron and says, I suppose you two think you're harder to get past than a pack of enchantments. <laughs> it would have been amazing to see Maggie Smith deliver that line. Right? But no, the movie has to streamline things. <laughs> the trio meets back up in the common room and then decide to go out that night and get to the stone first using the invisibility cloak that Harry says it was lucky he got back. Yes, Harry, because it was luck that folded up your cloak and neatly hid it under your bed covers, note and all. But now we are back on track between the two. The trio are attempting to sneak out of Gryffindor Tower and are nearly thwarted by Neville. And honestly, Neville's unwillingness to help them makes a lot more sense if you consider the deleted scene where they just leave him in the leg locker curse. Right? But in both... Hermione casts Petrificus Totalis on Neville, and once again, the trio of dicks leave him behind, this time in a full body bind. Bag of dicks. In the movie, Ron said that Hermione is brilliant, but scary. And I think this is also the best way to describe you sometimes. Aw, I'm not sure how to respond. I'm a little touched. In the head. I mean, there's that too. But let's just keep rolling. (laughs) They head out of the tower and sneak along to the third floor corridor under the invisibility cloak. In the book, they have to avoid Mrs. Norris and then run into Peeves just outside the corridor. Sadly, as we have mentioned many times. Once or twice. The movie cut out Peeves, so this did not happen in the film. And it would have it would have been so fun to see, too. Like Peeves is threatening to get Filch and Harry brilliantly pretends to be the bloody baron and convinces him to leave. Mm-hmm. Then they are able to get inside the Forbidden Quarter. In the book, the door is already open, so they assume Snape has already gotten past Fluffy. And in the movie, Hermione uses Alohomora to unlock the door again, and they find an enchanted harp and a sleeping Fluffy. In the book, there is a harp, but it isn't playing, and Fluffy's awake. Harry pulls out that wooden flute to play him to sleep, and obviously this couldn't happen in the movie, as we already mentioned, Hagrid apparently kept the flute. Greedy bastard. And of course, the movie makes this scene just a bit more dramatic with Fluffy waking up just before the trio jumps through the trapdoor. Harry is saying that he will go first and tells them not to follow until he's told them it's okay. Then, of course, the music stops, Fluffy wakes up, and drools all over Ron's shoulder. Yeah, Ron does not have good luck with dogs. What do you think is worse, though? Troll bogeys or three-headed dog drool? Is that our Potter pondering? (laughs) You know what? I'm down. (laughs) Probably not, though. But anyway, they have to quickly jump through the trap door to get away from Fluffy. Yeah, and in the book, Harry passes the flute to Hermione, who plays it until Harry and Ron have jumped in, and then stops right as she jumps, largely avoiding the three-headed dog drama. Mm-hmm. Drama picks up when they land on the plant thing. The plant thing, yeah. The plant thing. And this scene is a bit different from the book to the film, too. The plant has already wound its vines around Harry and Ron, but Hermione actually gets away from the plant before it can bind her, too. Mm -hmm. In the movie, she also gets caught up in the plant, but she relaxes and it releases her. And she convinces Harry to relax and he gets free, too. But Ron is... Ron? Yes, Ron is Ron. But he's also about as relaxed as Neville is in potions class. (laughs) In both, Hermione identifies the plant as Devil's Snare, and despite being in a life-or-death situation, Harry and Ron are on point with their sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Ron and his, I'm glad we know what it's called, and Harry just trying to speed Hermione along because he can't breathe. Wonder twin sass, unite! (laughs) She remembers that Devil's Snare doesn't like fire, 
And this is also another example of Book Hermione showing us that she has a difficult time thinking clearly when she's panicking. First around the troll, now she can't even remember that she can make fire from her wand. There's no wood, honestly. Just like with the troll. The movie takes that away from Hermione, keeping her the smart one and antes up on Ron's idiocy. Without any prompting, she remembers that Devil's Snare hates sunlight and immediately casts Lumos Salem, and the plant releases Ron, who says, Lucky we didn't panic. Lucky Hermione pays attention in herbology. <laughs> sunlight and fire isn't really that big of a difference, but I still think that they could have stuck with Hermione casting flames. It was kind of her go-to since she set Snape on fire, too. Yeah, but then they move on to the next room and find themselves surrounded by all the flying keys and a big locked door. Ron tries to unlock it with Alohomora, but it doesn't work, and I still think that could be because he said it entirely wrong. He was like, Alohomora, not Alohomora. Well, Hermione tried it in the book, and it didn't work then either, so on to the keys. Mm. This part had a few differences. All three of them got on the brooms in the book, and it was only Harry on a broom in the movie. But he gets the key and throws it down to Ron and Hermione. And then more movie drama, when Harry flies through the door and they slam it shut right as all the keys impale themselves on the door. Yeah. And they find themselves in the room with the giant chess set, and the chess match commences, staying pretty true to the book. Ron sacrifices himself so they can win the match. And then after that, the movie goes back to streamlining mode. Mm -hmm. Because Harry tells Hermione to stay with Ron and then get to the Owlry to send a letter to Dumbledore. Whereas in the book, they leave Ron behind and go through a couple more rooms before Harry has to go on alone. And Hermione goes back to Ron. Yeah, though in both, uh, Harry instructs her to get to the Owlery and send the letter to Dumbledore, and Hermione tells Harry that friendship and bravery are more important than books and cleverness. Yeah, well, obviously they can't cut a line like that out. <laughs> but it does make me sad that we didn't get to see Snape's riddle. Mm -hmm. When I first read that part, I literally drew out seven bottles and tried to label them how they must have been in the book. <laughs> because you're a nerd. I just really like riddles. <laughs> Though, as fun as this riddle is, it does seem like Snape could have just put out the seven bottles with no clues and simply told Dumbledore which bottle holds the one he needs. But what if somebody guesses it right on a whim and goes past when they shouldn't? It seems far more likely for someone to get through because they solved the riddle than because they had a one in seven chance of randomly picking the correct bottle. Without any other information about them, there's a 43% chance of randomly drinking poison if they're dumb enough to start drinking from the bottles. Well, then what if someone drinks the poison and dies? I mean, honestly, if they're in that room, they're probably trying to get to the stone, and would that be the worst thing ever? I mean, there are two first years in there at this point. Hermione isn't stupid enough to start drinking random potions. Harry is, though. Ooh, a snack! I feel like that's more Ron's role than Harry's. That's true. But anywho, the movie also cuts out the room with the troll, but nothing really happened there since the troll was already knocked out. They just sort of had to step over it to get to the door leading to Snape's riddle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those weren't included in the movie, and I can kind of I can kind of see why. It probably wasn't in the budget or time constraints to CGI an unconscious troll, and Snape's riddle wouldn't have been like visually exciting. Yeah, I think it was more fun to read than it would have been to watch. Mm -hmm. Not that I would have fallen asleep during that part or anything. You know, it does take the number of obstacles down from seven to five, though. So we're missing out on magical number seven again. Yeah, that's right. Damn movie time constraints cutting out magical numbers. The WB must not be fans of numerology. 
Or maybe they just hate the number seven in general, since they couldn't even stick to seven movies. Maybe. But yeah. In both the book and movie, Hermione brings Ron around and goes to send a letter to Dumbledore. I want to know how they got back out, though. They used the broom, or brooms, from the key room. But Hermione isn't a strong flyer. How'd she make it past Fluffy? I'm feeling quite confident that Fluffy the three-headed dog was a pretty good motivation for her to become a better flyer. But anyways, mm-hmm. Harry moves on by himself and ends up finding someone that isn't Snape or Voldemort, and the chapter ends. But who is it, though? Find out next week. <gasps> da <Da-na-na>. da 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 <laughs> Well, now that you left us on that cliffhanger, thank you very much. Hold on, folks. Let's just go right into our Potter ponderings. And what I want to know this week for Potter ponderings is, if you were a teacher at Hogwarts... What would you use to protect the Sorcerer's Stone? What enchantment would you use? Yeah, so be creative, guys. Tell us what you would do yeah, I to help hear guard some, the stone. I want to hear some cool shit. Going you on. can go to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and find the post to share your thoughts there. Mm-hmm. And you may even get a shout-out on the next episode. It could happen. It could. You, too, could be famous. But remember, fame is a fickle friend. And celebrity is as celebrity does. Oh, good Lord, Lockhart, calm down. That being said, we're going to go right on into the Sorting Hat story for this week. This week, we're telling the story of Amber Cox, who is one of my very close Harry Potter friends. I love her to death. She's a fellow Slytherin um, with a cherry wood wand with a unicorn hair core when it is 11 inches Despite the fact she's not really that tall. Must have a big personality. She really does. Uh, She tells us, I first read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in Spanish for an AP Spanish class in ninth grade. I was only being fed one chapter at a time to translate, and that lasted all of two chapters for me before I ran out to Books a Million, bought all three books, Prisoner of Azkaban had just been released at this time, and read through them all that same week. I was in a rather abusive relationship at the time, so for me, a fictional world where someone who was abused all his life suddenly found himself smack dab in the middle of a magical world that he didn't know existed, where he was actually special and important, was a great escape. After finishing Prisoner of Azkaban, there was a very long wait until the next book, which I definitely stood in line at midnight for. That interim time period is when I made the wonderful and fortunate mistake of looking for other Harry Potter fans on the internet. First, I found fanfiction. Oh boy, did I find fanfiction. Draco Ginny was my OTP. That's one true pairing, in case you're not down with the fanfic lingo, like I am. Then I noticed on some of the fanfiction sites that people were linking in their live journals and Yahoo groups were showing our age, <laughs> I ended up joining many Yahoo groups, but I found a second home at ISPL, International Society for Potter Obsessed Losers. We mean losers in the best way. <laughs> Eventually, I ended up letting my friends in that group talk me into going to my very first convention, Nimbus 2003, down in Florida, where I met internet strangers for the very first time in my life. My nerdy destiny was sealed from that point on. I went to many more conventions following my first and met hundreds more internet strangers. Most of them are still some of my best friends to this day, even though we all live a great distance apart. Harry Potter got me through some of the worst times in my life and will always have a special place in my heart. If I am having a bad day, I will still pick up one of the books from my shelf and read it again for the umpteenth time. Heart emoji. 
Heart emoji. I felt the need. <laughs> Such a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Amber. Mm-hmm. This brings us to this week's trivia question, which is, what flavor does Dumbledore think the Birdie Bot's every flavor bean is before he realizes it's actually earwax? The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag alas <laughs> will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, a just keep rolling, or a pride sticker. And another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you are an Apple person, you can do that through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page, then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know that you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. And don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. We also have two new patrons to welcome, our featured sorting hat story, Amber Cox and Dave Garza. We are thrilled to have you join us, and we are so grateful for you. Yes, you are both awesome, and we are looking forward to sharing more perks with you and interacting on our patron-only Facebook page. Thank you for joining us. We are getting super close to our next goal, which will allow us to start up our online store. Yay! <laughs> if you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the final chapter of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yay! Chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.